Welcome to the Taz Show, everybody. Appreciate you downloading this episode or subscribing uh, to my content for all these years and all these episodes. It's much appreciated. Much love, as they say. If you're either downloading this, uh, this some bitch, that's a little paying homage to my guest today. If you're either downloading this some bitch on Apple Podcasts, maybe on Stitcher, maybe Spotify. Maybe even on that dirty, uh, that, what do you call that, that radio.com there. Maybe you're doing it over there. I don't know. Uh, whatever you're doing, I appreciate you pulling the tattoo into your life. It's fucking great. That's awesome. Special guest on this episode, and I don't do a lot of guests, but, you know, when I do guests, they come in big. And you ain't getting much bigger. Then uh, the Texas rattlesnake himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin, will be a special guest on this episode of the Taz Show. I'm looking forward to talking to my old buddy, my old amigo, uh, Stone Cold, and all his success he's had for all these years, not just as a multi-time world champion in uh, the ring, uh, you know, as a competitor for all his years, especially his big, big-time big success in WWE and as a WWE Hall of Famer, but just um, uh, his success, film, movie, uh, t- movies, uh, you know, TV, TV shows, movies, and whatnot. It's just great. He's done done an amazing job. He's worked very hard, and also has a very ultra successful podcast. Is one of those podcasters who kind of, you know, a pioneer of the game. You know, kind of one one of the guys who kind of set the tone for all the wrestling podcasts, uh, along with a couple other cats. But but Steve definitely one of them. So um, I was a guest on one of his early shows many years ago. Uh, when he first started six years ago or some shit it was and then i kind of got into the game a little bit after that so um and steve's been on on the taz show also a couple of years back when my show was daily so it's going to be great to talk to steve austin so i'm looking forward to that uh he's the man look you know how i do my shit man it's not really an interview it's just going to be steve and i shooting the shit to be honest with you i mean it came it just happened impromptu it's just we hadn't talked in a while, and then I reached out to Steve about something. I had a question from him on something, and then we started talking on the phone forever and just laughing and fucking mucking it up, and it's like, you know, why don't we do a show? And so that's how it happened, really, to be frank. That's the deal with that. Uh, also, the deal with that, uh, as you know, right now, NFL is rocking and rolling. It's, uh, you know, we're in October here, and NFL's kicking ass and taking aim. So every Sunday, watch your local CBS game live with CBS All Access. Catch games at home or on the go across all your favorite devices. Go to cbs.com slash show to get uh, a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Again, that's cbs.com slash T-A-Z-S-H-O-W to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Uh, it's a great deal. It's great to, to check this out. I told you I'm a big fan of CBS All Access. I've, I've had it for quite some time, and you could use it on any of your devices. Like I said, it's great stuff, uh, and for especially for your local CBS game. Uh, NFL game to get, especially during football season, you can't go wrong. It's good stuff. So, so that's the deal on that. Uh, anyway, so I just want to do a quick open here. 
Real simple deal. Uh, we're going to head to break on the uh, other side of break. Well, that's Steve Austin coming on, Stone Cold. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking hopefully Steve's got a beer with him. Well, probably a dumb question. But, um, you know, the water break is something that's very popular here on the Taz Show. All you fucking jobbers love the water break. Oh, Taz, the water break. I love it. I bought my T-shirt, my H2O Jones shirt at TazShirts.com. T-A-Z-S-H-I-R-T-S.com. TazShirts.com. And I got all my Taz merch there, Taz. But I love my H2O Jones shirt. I love my water break shirt. Are you going to do a beer break with Steve Austin? Well, I'm going to fucking give it a shot. Hopefully he has a beer with him. Lord knows I got a nice cold beer with me. And I'm also... Yeah, a lot of people wondering, you know, I saw on the social media, did Steve Austin ever send you those beers back in the day? He promised you some of his own beers. Did I ever get them? I got to ask Steve about that. I think they got lost in the mail from Texas to New York. That could happen. But uh, if I I remember, when I have Steve on here shortly, in a few seconds, I will ask Steve Austin that. All right. Anyway, uh, Taz Show going to continue with uh, the, uh, the man himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin, when we come back. Sit tight. I built this some bitch up enough enough on the front end. He's over like Rover. We all know that. The one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas Rattlesnake. What's up, my man? Well, <laughs> there, there's a lot up. I know there is, brother. <laughs> you gonna shoot on me? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, we can get, you know what, Steve? We can give like a little overview of what the hell we've been dealing with for 40 minutes, you and I. We must. I think we have to. Well, what is with all the cavalry riding in? <laughs> well, you know, I figured I got my Texas brother here. So, uh, you know, I got to make it feel like, make you feel at home. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> the I'm at home. I, I'm going to pull a Rick Rude. Cut the music. All right, all right. Don't get hot. We'll cut the music. Damn, wow. You just, we're waiting for a nice little fade out. We had it all produced. You just killed the gimmick. What's up, man? How's everything? Man, I, well, I didn't know it was going to play for like 17 minutes. That's the gimmick. We just let it roll, just keep going until the guest gets hot. That's what we do. Every now and then, you got to smarten somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to do this for uh, 42 minutes officially. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to be gold. Um, yeah, we had some, for you people out there, you people, okay, we had some tech issues. It was on off my end's fault. It wasn't Steve Austin's fault. It was my fault. We were having some problems, and Steve Austin was extremely uh, patient. Well, maybe not patient, but he was, well, he was chill, kind of. You were kind of chill. You were, you were good. No, I'm yeah, still no. chill, but, I mean, you know, hell, I was out there in my shop, and I figured, man, okay, we put this extender out there, tried to get, extend the Wi-Fi, and for some reason it wouldn't let me, re- you know, you push the record button or whatever. And so I figured, okay, let me grab all my stuff up. And so I got a laptop computer. I got a Blue Yeti microphone. I'm riding back. I, I just saw a little bitty scooter. It's 150 cc's. <laughs> I still got my uh, Beats headphones on. I got a beer in my pocket. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. I ain't wearing a helmet. You know, I'm a global icon and a national treasure. You know, parading out here like white trash. It was just, just uh, now that we're done with all the discombobulations, Taz, it's good to be on your show. 
It, well, it wasn't seamless, but we're here. Um, yeah, and again, I officially apologize for the big pain in the ass that this was, because what a fucking clusterfuck it was. Um, anyway, dude, look, man. First off, I mean, it, look, it's look. We've I've been on your show, you've been on mine. So look, people, look, you you've your success has been insane. I mean, you know, and it's great to see your success. Obviously, as a wrestler, as a professional wrestler, as a world champion on multiple levels, multi-time world champion. Um, into into mainstream media you know into into your, your success as a podcast with the steve austin show it's still kicking ass and i said in the open before you jumped on that you're you're one of the pioneers in the game for sure of podcasting and you're one of the guys that helped inspire me to get into this shit you know and um uh, and then also and obviously with your success in tv and movie and everything just you know i'm so happy for you because i've had the pleasure to personally know you for shit a lot of years and anybody who asks me, hey, you know Steve Austin, you know your friends are Stone Cold. I you get that question a lot. You know, there are the guys, the three guys you always hear, Steve. Like you, you wouldn't know this because you're a fucking, you've always been a top, 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 top guy. Do you know Steve Austin? Do you know The Rock? Do you know Hulk Hogan? Those are the guys you always hear. So I'm proud to say I know all three of those guys, and out of those three guys, you're my best of friends of those three guys. And I had no disrespect to those other two cats. So it's like that's that kind of like that that the, the, those heads of state right there, and it's like. You've always been the same guy, bro. I mean, you've, I, I've always been the same guy. You're still the same guy. And because you were, I'm sure you were raised right. Because you are. You're just a grounded motherfucker. And I would, that's what I tell people. He's the realest motherfucker there is. What you see on TV is more or less him, you know, and, and it is. And, and you, you've never, I, I feel like you have no ego, right? I mean, it had to be at some point with the big push that you felt like having a little ego, but no, huh? Nothing. I, man, I tell you what, I was wound up pretty tight, you know, back when we was hot and heavy and you gotta, you gotta look out for yourself. Uh, but man, the ego, as far as, you know, believing your own shit and all that stuff, you know, when you, when you finally get hot and it took you seven and a half, eight years to get hot, you, you, you then you kind of know what's up and hey, yeah, you know, things are clicking for you. But as far as having my head, uh, you know, any problems with my head fitting through the door, that, that never happened, but that's just the way we was raised. I mean, and Dude, after I got dropped on my head, you know, I was starting to ride, you know, at a hell of a damn uh, lightning bolt there, and all of a sudden it got yanked out from under me. So, you know, when shit like that happens, it keeps you pretty damn grounded. Yeah, I I know that feeling. It happened, and, and you're right. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. That will humble you, and it happened, humbled me, you know, and it's because it's scary. You know, you feel, and that's what I don't think folks could understand, bro. Like, you feel invincible, and then when you get that type of traumatic injury, you feel like in a flash, it could all just go away, and you were not. I'm not saying you in particular, but people in general, because it happened to me. You're 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 not as invincible as you feel, and you feel like you know what? I am fucking human, and and I'm sure that's kind of the, what you're saying, the vibe you're saying. Well, you know, it's just like you never think anything's going to end, and you know, all good things are going to come to an end, but at an abrupt end, you know, it's been an accident or something like that, you know, and it's uh, like I said, I'm always grounded and in check with reality, but boy, that's a hell of a damn reality check when you're laying there damn near paralyzed, looking up at the top of the building, thinking, hey, man, I ain't going to move anymore. This, this ain't worth the shit. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the whole process, but, you know, through it all, you know, thick and thin, and, uh, you know, when I walked out of company back, you know, in Atlanta, real <laughs> stupid <laughs> decision but you know er everything i've been through uh you know it's been a, it's been a really good ride and uh you know after 19 when i had that last wrestlemania match with the rocks tried to, time to ride off in the sunset but you know and anything i do you know whether it's trying to do something with uh you know my little tv show or doing podcasting or whatever man you just, just do the best of what you got don't believe your own shit 
I love how you undersell shit. Little little TVs, little straight up Steve Austin, that little little show. I love that shit. That little no sell Jones. I got it, bro. I feel. Uh. <laughs> hey, like like I said, man, don't believe your own shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, hey, wait, wait. If we get season two, I'll say, yeah, I got a badass show on USA Network. We ain't, we ain't got season two yet, so let's play it by ear, one step at a time. <laughs> I respect that. See, now that right there, that's some shit motherfuckers act like. And you're right, because when you've been, when you've done the job enough in your career, and I know I have, and I know you have, when you've done the job enough, you get humble to that. Like, you don't get too cocky. You don't get like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, this is fucking awesome. Because you've had the rug pulled out from under your feet, right? And that teaches you to be cautiously optimistic. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always a glass half full guy, you know. Uh, and I, I don't like hanging around negative people, so I'm glass half full. But uh, by the same token, man, I'm very in, into uh, what the reality of the situation is, man. Getting getting the show greenlit is the hardest thing you can get done. And then so, you know, after they pulled the plug on Broken Skull way back in the day, I was like, that is a damn good show. You took it off the air. What kind of rocket scientist made this decision? So, dude, don't, you know, in show business or anything, really, you don't take anything for granted. I, you know, Taz, from being in the wrestling business, from having promoters tell you so many things, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Hey, you know, I believe it when we're right in the middle of it. You know, when we're, when we're, when we're doing it, that's when I believe it. You know, or until right. that airplane takes off and we're on airplane and then we're, someone's actually rolling a, uh, a camera or the referee has rang the bell and all of a sudden you're working with that person you wanted to work with and you're running a program. But not until it happens, I ain't buying yeah, no, I understand that. My wife and I talk about that a lot. You know, her and I have been together since high school, right? So she understands, like, you know, she gets the business, and she's not in the business, but quasi through marriage. You know how it is. She is. And so she, she, <laughs> a lot of times your significant other, as you know, they build that same callus up, you know, towards things in life because of the wrestling business, because things don't go uh, as according to plan. And, uh, you know, uh, so now I get what you're saying. But just to, I want to jump ahead because. Because I'll forget to ask you, because I don't write shit down. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't do notes. I mean, I just kind of riff. I have a feeling you might be the same way with your stuff, you know, because it's just more organic. But, bro, so I'm watching you. You come over to the Raw Reunion, right? And and you come out, you know, and they fucking give you the, you got the big fucking, you earned the big fucking main event spot. You tore it down, the fucking beers, the whole thing. Everybody's going crazy. And I'm looking at you. I'm like, look at fucking Steve Austin. This son bitch, he's living in the gym, doing cardio, eating right. You look the same. You didn't change, dude. What the fuck are you doing? No, man. The only reason I was in shape was <laughs> I always like to try to maintain some type of physicality. I mean, you know, kind of in our DNA. But, you know, hell, with half of my DNA, I like to drink, too. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who like love to live in a gym. You know, I like, you know, maybe 40 percent gym or 40 percent, you know, uh, in the bar. So, right. you know, right, right, right. We, just, we just got finished uh, basically filming that show. And so I was still in pretty good shape. And dude, when I commit to a program, I am on it. Uh, but also like to enjoy my life. And with that, there's a couple of margaritas and I'm in the beer business. So I enjoy my, you know, drinking my beer. I got a, I got a, a draft, a keg right, right there uh, in my studio there. So I love to go over there and just pop a top on a cold one. But going back to the, the gathering down there in Tampa, I was still pretty tuned up. And, you know, it, 
you you know how it is, Taz. I mean, shit, it don't get no easier. So, uh, you know, you're in the gym every single day, and you're doing your cardio, and you're you're man, I weigh and measure everything, and that that's just how I am wow. when I'm competitive. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was just uh, the stars came around, and the timing was right for that reunion when I still look pretty damn good. I fell off a little bit, but I'm tuning back up. My wife says, "Hey, man." She goes, you've been going to the gym a lot. I said, hey, if that show gets greenlit, that's only, you know, uh, a couple months down the road. And so mm. there's nothing worse than getting, hey, man, Steve, can you do this? Well, I'm about 15 pounds out when they want to do it mm. uh, uh, in five days. In <laughs> five days, you really ain't going to change shit. So, yeah. And that's no, you, right gotta, pass. you know how yeah. it is, brother. I mean, yeah, I, 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 love, I love to get in shape, but I, I love to live life. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I hear you. you know, we got a bit here on the Taz show. Speaking of living life, you know, I mean, I, I once in a while I will partake in a brewski, as you call it, a beer. Um, every once in a while I will, but you know, we have a, a bit here on the Taz show, which is called the Water Break. It's like an H two O Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, what happens is this music starts to play, and then I've only done this with maybe one other person as a guest, where I do a water break with the guest. So people are like, oh my God, you're gonna have Stone Cold Steve Austin on. You can't do a water break. You gotta do a beer break. So I got myself a little, well, it's not a Steve Wiser because you never sent me any of your beer. <clears throat> we get a little heat for that and we'll get into that in a second. Do you have a beer handy, sir? Yes, I do. Let's pop it. You ready? I'm ready, baby. There you go. Here we go, we're doing the water break. Well, it's beer break. And drink up, my friend. Ah, well, I hope you're enjoying that beer over there because I just spilled beer all over my computer. <laughs> my computer craps out. <laughs> Wait a minute. We don't have any more technical problems here, Steve. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. I, I used to sit in the bed and drink my last glass of wine. All of a sudden, you start fading off and you drop that glass of wine on top of your uh, MacBook and it yep, kind of yep. fried. fried I, I fried a couple of Macs. And I talk about Big Macs. I'm talking about these fucking computers that cost a little bit of money. Five Gs, brother. Yeah, yeah. So I go into the Apple store. And I say, Steve, what's up? Oh, uh, the regular. So I got glass of wine on the top of the Mac. Dude, I don't picture you being a red wine. I'm assuming you mean red wine, unless you mean white wine. I don't picture you being a white guy. Come on now. I can drink some red wine. If you can drink white wine, you're pussy. Come on. Well, that's true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, man. uh, You know, if you have a couple of margaritas, a glass of wine is really good to to wind down on. W-I-N-D. So I like to wind down with a glass of wine. But yeah, man, you know, way back in the day, me and my wife used to go to Napa uh, Valley. And man, we'd be riding around in my white pickup truck and uh, hitting all the the wineries. And it was just just, just some good times. So yeah, I enjoy it. I used to be into the big cabs and now more into the Pinots and the Malbecs. Uh, But but again, you know, uh, I, I digress. Yes, my wife's big, uh, big red wine lady. You know, she likes a nice Shiraz. She's a big Shiraz lady. You know, Friday, Saturday night. I'm doing lately. I've been drinking. Uh, I've been doing a little. I like because it's getting chilly up here in the north, right? So I do a little Winter Jack, bro. A little cider, a little Winter Jack. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's no, nice. I never had that. Oh yeah, a little Winter Jack Daniels is nice. And um, I'm a big cigar guy. You know, I kind of I got out of packing lips and dipping and shit. I, you know. So I, I do more of a, once in a while I'll smoke a cigar. Um, you a cigar guy or no? Man, I tried the cigars when we was down there in New Orleans filming Expendables many years ago. I was down there in the French Quarters and my wife came down to stay with me and we was walking down back to the hotel after dinner. 
And uh, I said, you know what? You know, Sly kept asking me if I you know, wanted a cigar, wanted a cigar. And I said, man, I ain't really into it. At the time, I was still uh, dipping skull. And uh, I said, you know what? I need to quit this skull, and I got to have a vice. So I went in there and bought me a $30, $30 cigar. And shit, I went up to my room, did the whole process, cut the end off. You know, the whole. Yes, deal. sir. Yes, this sir. Is, this is just what I've, what I've seen in movies or how I think it should be done. So I'm out there puffing this damn cigar in a hotel on the French Quarter. And you know, about five minutes of that, it just tasted like someone shit in my mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? The cigar thing is not for me. So, no, nah, dude, I, I, I don't get the cigar. <laughs> That popped me. No, but dude, I mean, just let me slow you down a little bit. Hold on a minute, because listen, you're you're you listen, you're a high end guy. I mean, you know, you you made a lot of money in your career. You you need to you need to you need to give this another chance, and you need to give this. I'm telling you, bro, you got to give the cigar thing another chance. I think. Look, you obviously bought yourself a nice cigar for a thirty dollar cigar. That's a good cigar. You sure you weren't inhaling the fucking smoke, right? You're not supposed to inhale this no, shit. No, no, man. But you say you got to look at it this way, man. I. uh yeah, I might have I might have been gypped. It might have been a, a fifty cent cigar that a dude just you know I I, I paid thirty dollars for. So you know, uh, I don't know. No, hey, Steve, don't we call that? It's called a dirt rocket. <laughs> when I had a dirt rocket, <laughs> I stole that name from Kevin Dunn. By the way, when you see Kevin, tell him you said you had a dirt rocket. He'll pop. He, he he. I learned that from him. He's a big cigar guy. By the way, I don't know if you know. Yeah, that. you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Man, I'm done with the tobacco. When, when I when I you know put that cigar down, and when I when I said I was going to stop dipping skull, and me and my buddies go down to South Texas, and God dang, you dip so much skull. It's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. You get in your damn Bronco, uh, yeah. you put a dip. You know, just you always associate it with with different tasks that you're doing, riding a tractor, shredding, or whatever. So, hey man, and, and then when you quit, I just I'm, I'm one of those cold turkey guys. You just quit, and it's like God dang, you're, you're going through the motions. Just like I should have a dip in my mouth. So it's kind of half psychological and half lifestyle. But so no, I'm done with tobacco. I give it the big, you know, the, the big boot in the corner. So okay, uh, all right, zero cigars, pipe now. Now, when the sunburst lights up a pipe, my dad used to smoke a pipe way back in the day. You know, those things can smell pretty damn good. Yes. And you, you don't you don't even mind in, you know, smelling someone smoke one of them sun bitches. But, you know, these days in California, you go to a restaurant, there, there ain't no smoking nowhere nearby. But then you start getting on the outskirts a little bit. You know, someone will light up and from like 50 yards away, even if the wind is blowing in the opposite direction, it seems like that waft of that cigarette smoke will come find you. And it's just the most offensive smell that you can imagine, especially when you're just trying to enjoy a, na- a nice Pinot Noir with your wife trying to chill and eat dinner. And you got some somebody smoking a cigarette beside you. You got a guy smoking a fucking Marlboro, a Paul Mall right next to you. I, you know, I'm sitting there, you just kind of give him a look like, fucking really? <laughs> yeah, you want to just fucking crack him right in his cheek. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, man, I mean, the, the Surgeon General's been saying this shit for the last 50 years. It could be dangerous to you. Yeah, Fuck. I know, Smart I know, enough. I know. I never got into that. I used to see so many of the boys. I know you did, too. I, before their matches or after their matches, smoking cigarettes, I could not. I won't even name names. There are some guys I know in WWE that still do. You know them, too, and I'm not going to say names. But I don't. I never understood that, bro. Like, when I was wrestling, I couldn't smoke cigars. I didn't smoke any cigars. I got into it after wrestling. I used to dip a shitload. I got, you know, growing up in New York and Brooklyn, there was no such thing as packing a lip, dipping tobacco. But the wrestling business, I, it was a habit, you know, because you're on the road driving. There's all these hours you're driving, and you want to stay awake, and then, you know, you just get into it. And, um, you know, you grew up in a different part of the country than me, so I'm sure you probably got involved with that earlier than I did. But 
the thing is, man, it's it's very addicting to your point. But the cigarette smoking from wrestlers, I I never could understand how guys could go in there and work either before or after smoking a cigarette. But mind, I know you've seen this, I'm sure, a lot, like I have, correct? Right. But here's the thing, like uh, the most of, a couple of the guys that I'm thinking of that did smoke were bad some bitches once that bell rang. Sure. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, they could work their ass off and they were over. Uh, but for me, I was always like, man, how, how do you get any wind from that? You know, your chances of blowing up are high enough without sucking on a damn cigarette all day. But to go back to as you know, as far as, you know, like dipping skull or how I started chewing tobacco when I was playing little league baseball, when I was 14, 15 years old. And then finally started blew my cheeks out or my gum started receding. I said, Hey man, fuck it. I'll switch to skull because there's a difference between chewing and dipping and dipping. And dipping right. Oh, right. You know, it's the same, same genre, but totally different process. So anyway, but so then you get hooked up on a skull Copenhagen, whatever, and you're just spitting in a, in a little dip cup with a little uh, Kleenex or some toilet paper in the bottom of that sun bitch in case you spill it. And it's just amazing that th- uh, it's just amazing the things uh, that guys will do to occupy time or just to, to keep yeah. boredom away. It's like, oh, man, so putting some tobacco in between your front teeth and your uh, lip is going to keep it from being bored. Hey, it's something to do, strangely enough. But and, and man, I ride down the road with Billy Gunn and some of those guys. And yeah. that's just what we did, dude. You, you do things to occupy time and just to keep your sanity no i mean shit kurt angle and i would sit in a car and drive you know miles upon miles and just go through tins <laughs> you know i mean you know it's just and you didn't even realize you were doing it man it just it just i, I don't i don't know if this generation is the same like these these current the current wrestlers i don't which is a good thing it's not a bad thing i don't think they're into that as much to be honest from i was just did a show at aw and i know you're around the wwe current guys more than i have been i i don't know maybe you've seen it i mean i these AEW cats, I can't sit there and say I was going through guys' bags seeing what they, if they were dipping tobacco, but it didn't seem like they were into that shit. It seems like a different, this generation's different, which is good. I think that's a good thing. But you know what? I would be, it's interesting the, what you just said there, because I mean, like Harley Davidson as a brand has kind of fallen off a little bit. You know, not as many millennials are riding Harley Davidson's as, you know, the generation before them. So I just wonder that, you know, the, the newer crop or are, are millennials are, and I say that not, not with any, any any tone at all. I'm just just as an identification marker that they're not really into that type of thing. Because I, I I would like to, I would I would wonder you know what Skull or Copenhagen sales are versus 20 years ago. Yeah, and there's alternatives now. Not just before we wrap this top. I didn't oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, there's this. I don't know if you ever had this. I every once in a while, and, and I've done research on it. I know this snooze. You know about the snooze shit. I mean, I, the, the one, yeah, it's like uh, there's a lot of different ones. There's one from uh, there's a couple from Sweden, and the, the way the tobacco is cured is different than here. And it's, it, remember, remember Skull Bandits back in the day, bro. You know, Bandits. Do. Yeah, right. Of- Right, so it it looks like a bandit, but it's it, the tobaccos. It's not the same. It's completely cured different, and you actually. I'm not saying I do this, but most people who use this snooze, they pack a lip with it, and they swallow it, and you don't get nauseous. It's not like that. It's not toxic on your body. S N U S snooze. I'm not telling you to do it because you you obviously were dipping a lot and you you got off it, which good for you. Cold turkey, that's fucking awesome, bro. Good for you, but. 
I know me getting out of dipping tobacco, the snus thing helped me. And I don't talk to my, I know I talked to my doctor about it. He said, no, that there's uh it's actually a, a much, much safer alternative. You can't get the same, same type of spit that you get when you dip in, you know, Copenhagen or Kodiak or, or skull, but, it's um, you know, it's a little bit of a different texture when you spit. It's not the same, but it's uh, it's it. People get off it, uh, you know, from smoking cigarettes. Um, so it it actually is. It feels like you dip in tobacco, but it's a lot less toxic on your body and your lip. Yeah, man, I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go into you know vaping and stuff like no, that. Because no. I don't, I don't know what them dudes are like, man. Are, are people no. like you'll see, you'll see someone driving the window down, all of a sudden this big old plume of smoke will come out of the fucking driver's side. I'm like, are you ribbing me? I know. I thought what a guy was smoking a big fucking joint. I thought a guy was smoking weed. Like I thought it was like you know back then guys would smoke weed and you'd fucking see this big pile of smoke, Cheech and Chon's Jones type thing. And it's like, no, they got this fucking vape thing going. Yeah, it's. It's, uh, people thought it's how I think it's really bad for you. People are dying left and right. Hey, man, were you with the company way back in the day? Uh, I can't remember. We went overseas somewhere. I can't remember if it was Kuwait or UAE or uh, hmm. wherever it was, but they, they use those hook, hookahs, not hookers. Hookah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's I am from Georgia. Hookahs, man. What the hook is that? <laughs> you know those things where there's a yeah. central thing and they got a bunch of like uh, rubber lines that go into like a, a i don't know a mouthpiece a brass piece whatever that that's what you suck on and you just sit there and like sit in a circle and you're smoking this gimmick tobacco with a bunch of other cats and i guess it's a shared experience and that they're in some locations they, they have these hookah bars and i'm like who on the fuck who in the fuck wants to sit in a goddamn circle with a bunch of cats puffing on a damn hose? Not me, bro. That's like hey, a big, my kind of gimmick. Yeah, no, it's not my kind of gimmick either. And it's like a fucking like a big like a bong on growth hormone. That's what it's like. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, no, yeah, I, so I, I can't see that being good for you. I mean, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tell you, that, the, the vaping thing, though. To your point, now my son's twenty, right? So I, I, you know, he said he tried it a couple times at vaping, you know, because it was a big thing. And he's like, you know, and then he he's smart. He trains, so he takes care of his body. He's an you know, so he he doesn't want to do that shit. He's like, nah, nah. He, he knows a lot of kids that are in that twenty, twenty-one year old age. Oh, 19, 18 years old that are heavily into that stuff. It's very addicting. And I'm like, well, you got to be careful. And he doesn't fuck with it anymore. But, you know, and so I think the smarter younger generation realizes the dangers of it. I know here in New York, and I'm sure you have it down there in Texas, or I don't know, you're having two spots, California and Texas, right? Because you got, you're all over the place, right? Yeah, man. Well, yeah, we're in California and uh, Northern Nevada. All right, all right. Oh, I do. so you're not in Texas. Okay, you're in Northern well, Nevada. We sold it. Yeah, I know. We sold that place about three and a half, four years ago. It was oh. time to get out. I mean, I still have a place there, but not not my ranch. All right, don't get hot. So, um, the the um the beer, bro. Speaking of getting hot, I I got a segue to this, you, bro. You were supposed to send me the beer, and I guess your people forgot. And I got people tweeting me for three years about this beer. You remember supposed to send some beer up to New York? Remember the studio? You don't remember this, do you? Man, I've been hitting that with so many steel chairs. Just as many, if not more, than you, Taz. <laughs> I'm not putting hey, you on the spot. I, no, no, no. You put me on the spot. Shit, I ain't no, I ain't no heat. No, when, I get back, when I get back to Los Angeles, the first thing I'm going to do is go down to El Segundo Brewing Company, 
pick up an eight pack because it's 16 ounces and now you get one of these things going to hammer you anyway and i'll put them on some ice and i'll ship them to you just when we hang up text me your fucking address so i can get you off my ass i mean you know how many people times i've said that i was going to send them some damn beer and ain't send them beer i ain't send nobody beer yet because it all sounds good but then i gotta go through the process of gathering that shit up putting some dry ice on it and then paying postage and sending the motherfucker Hold on, I have to ask you a question. Pardon my ignorance. Why, why do you got to send it on dry ice? Why can't you just send, why can't you have guys mail out beer? Why do you got to send it cold? Goddamn, I was, when we when we make this beer, we ship it for refrigerated. It's never supposed to be unrefrigerated. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I, I said dry ice because it sounded exotic and it sounded good for the podcast. Uh, you can use regular fucking ice. You can use those ice packs that you pre-freeze or whatever. No, yeah. So I don't care what kind of ice it is. I, I just thought ice, uh, dry ice sounded like as cool as fuck. Yeah, so Stone Cold is a guy that would use dry ice. <laughs> Bro, it's not like hey, hey, work, 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 work with me here, Taz. Don't get hot. What are you, fucking, what are you gonna send me? Fucking Omaha steaks here? You sent me? Fuck the fuck you sending me? It's fucking <laughs> dry ice. No, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that you had to see that. Now I'm not a beer connoisseur, uh, but I didn't That's really. I didn't send it to you because I knew you were gonna drink them. I will drink it and I'll tweet it and get you over finally, motherfucker. So listen, so um, <laughs> I'm trying to help get you over, Steve. You know that. Um, I, I guess we got to talk about wrestling a little bit. I mean, because people are going to want to hear us talk something about wrestling. I don't know what I'm shit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about wrestling or not really? Well, I mean, I think the dropkick is underutilized in today's uh, landscape. I prefer a snapmare over a dropkick, to be honest with you. Is, uh, is Shane wrestling dead? I mean, where, where do you want to stop? <laughs> the business has changed since you and I were active. And uh, it, it's interesting. The, the, mo- the most interesting thing I've seen in a long time was Chris Jericho was having a match with what was it? The match when uh, he tied the kid's arms behind his back. Bobby Allen, yeah, that was in Philadelphia at uh, AEW. Uh, yep, yep. I, I popped. I yep. popped big. Uh, you know, it was, some people might not have liked it. I sent Jericho a text. I said, I, I can't remember what a text was. I said, Jesus Christ, that was fucking outrageous. I mean, outrageous in a good way because I ain't never seen nobody do that. And the kid made a full blown comeback with his, with his arms tied behind his back, coming off the top turnbuckle, doing what missile drop kicks or swan times or whatever the fuck. Unbelievable. You know, they, 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 they got the kid over, got Chris over. Of course, you know, Chris is just going crazy with all the stuff. I mean, crazy in a good way. He's really pushing the envelope and expanded his character, and he's having so much fun. Uh, it just looks like he's like a kid in a candy store. And, of course, you know, he's had one of the best runs in the history of the business when you think about his longevity, and he climbed to the top of every territory he's ever been in. Yep. And now to go out there with 100% uh, clean, you know, like – they just throw a canvas up at him and say, "Hey, man, here's your guy. You're you're the veteran. Y'all go paint that motherfucker." Okay, well, and that's what he's doing. You're right, Steve. You're a thousand percent right. And some folks they're saying that some of the guys who are over already who went in there over are not getting younger kids over in AEW, which I find a load of bullshit. I'm I listen. I was there, and I like for that particular match you're talking about with Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. I watched, I, I'm not going to get the details offline, I'll talk to you, but I'm telling you, man, Chris is, to your point, bro, he is really trying to help the, all these younger current talents they have there 
so so are the other guys there. So's Dustin Rhodes. So's Cody Rhodes. These guys are really the Bucks have been working a long time at a high level in Japan and all over. You know that. And Omega, they're helping a lot of these young cats more than people realize. You know they really really are. And and I got to tell you, bro, it's you know what I know. You had Tony Khan on your on your podcast, and and listen, bro. That place is a special place. There is a special atmosphere there. There's a, a certain happiness there. Uh, it's uh, I know it's new. I understand that. You know, hopefully they keep rolling with their happiness in six months. I understand that. But, you know, they've run a good handful of pay-per-views before they start doing their TVs with TNT. <clears throat> I'm just telling you, it's a really good atmosphere there. And I talked to Jericho after that match, after the show, and then I saw him at the bar. And uh, at the hotel, we were talking for a while. Bro, he's having a blast, and he believes in that roster, and he should. He believes in that place. And it's great to hear a guy like you to the level you've been as a worker and as a world champion uh, endorse a guy like Chris and his great success and what he's doing. And that kid, Darby Allen, I mean, he's he's uh, he's he's something else, that kid, man. I mean, different type of athleticism, bro, like totally different level. I know he's not a gigantic guy, but it's not about that anymore. I mean, you know, they're pushing more athleticism, I believe, in in, in the business. You're seeing that more. Well, they are pushing more, you know, guys like that are more athleticism, and the business has changed. It's sped up, and it's it's a different landscape. And so, man, for that kid to be as young as he is, what, he's 22, 23 tops? 23, maybe, 23. Oh, okay. So, in that hell, when I started, I think I, I think I went to school when I was 23, and I had my first match at 24. I thought, but that kid, you know, however long he's been in the business, way more polished than, than I was at that time. You know, hell, half that roster, you know, it was more polished than, than what I was at that age. And so, hey, man, they're, they're learning things in uh, rapid-fire fashion. And it's 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 interesting to see just the creativity and and you know what links you know not not links as far as risk but just in in ways to push the creative envelope yeah. with respect to saying with with respect to staying somewhat safe and you know watch that kid get his hands taped up behind him to do all that stuff it it was just it was great I I never seen nothing like that and I enjoyed yeah. seeing it wasn't like you know watching those guys with the death matches and that's a whole different spectacle I've enjoyed uh, many of those death matches I've seen but with the, the fluorescent light bulbs and you know, coming off the scaffold. I mean, the risk factor, and you know, hell, I had Joey Janelle on the show a long time ago, and just getting to, getting into the mindset of some of those guys. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 just a real interesting thing. But yeah, man, uh, it'll be interesting. Taz, can I ask you a question? It's your radio show, but is AEW in, in any way kind of in a, like what, what is the comparison between when you guys fired up ECW back in the day? I, I, I'm glad you said that. And it is, bro. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, it reminds me of ECW, the atmosphere, but yet with real money and real TV, you know, and that's what uh... reminds me of. And, and, and much bigger. It was a much bigger, when I was there and I know you've never been backstage. I don't think you've been backstage at an AEW show yet, but when I was there for the day and I was in a production meeting the day before Steve, it felt like, as far as the vast, the size, the feel, the production, it felt like I was I was in WWE again. It felt like when I was in TNA, when TNA was hot. It it really felt like that, except a different logo and 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 different talent, and everybody was happy. I mean, it felt that big. And bro, the amount of production people backstage that I knew from WWE and from TNA, like when I, you know, Keith Mitchell. You remember Keith, right? You know Keith. Of course I do. 
Jeez, yeah, and he's the greatest guy ever. I'm like, God dang it. I see all these guys and girls that I worked with, and you would know a shitload of them also. It's It felt like it reminded me of ECW because of the exuberance, the energy that was there, okay, but yet much bigger and real TV and, and real money, obviously, you know? So, um, but I felt that. And I was, you know... <sighs> Hearing like um, hearing some people that are from our generation or maybe even a little bit older than us, you and I, um, Steve, like that shit on some newer style, not just AEW, that shit on the new style of wrestlers or this current generation, how it's, it's you know, whatever, less sell- if we're going to stereotype less selling or guys aren't six, three, you know, uh, 260 and for the bulk of them. I I I giggle at it because I remember like during the time of ECW and your time in ECW, you, you felt this. Like there were a lot of cats, older guys that were burying and shitting on everything that the company ECW stood for, you know. And I know, like as a unit, we were like, "Fuck that! We want to do. What we want to do. It's not their time. It's our time." And I feel that in a positive way with AEW. The short time I've I've been around those cats, and I, that. That brought back memories for me, like of ECW. I'm like, you know what? I respect the fuck out of this because that's how it was years ago. You know, I remember in ECW, it was like we weren't going to. And now, <clears throat> during the beginnings of the Attitude Era and the success with WWF, you were right in the thick of it. I wasn't. I came in a little bit later, you know, towards the, well, the 2000 I came in. But you, so you already were cooking. So you could speak on that better than me. I'm sure you guys had that same type of energy in that WWF locker room. Once you left ECW and then you went <clears throat> to WWF, Ringmaster Jones, all that shit. And then you started, then the Stone Cold character was born and you started, you know, getting pushed the right way. I'm sure there was, you felt that same type of energy amplified, correct? Yeah, man, energy, but, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, guys looking at some of the current guys that may be a little bit younger, I mean, it's bullshit or whatever, or or this style is bullshit. I remember when I came into ECW and Paulie gave me the call, you know, I was going to, I was going to run heel, obviously, because I want to run heel. And I came in, I said, you know, all I see here is a bunch of violent crap. And that's exactly what I'll call it, because that's exactly what it is. And I was talking about how I was going to wrestle because that's what I was good at. That's what I was better than anybody in the world at. So, you know, I set the tone by dressing down what was going on in the current scene and rising above it to say, hey, you guys ain't worth flying shit. This is what's up. So, you know, I, I, I was trying to make a difference that way. But but that's the kind of the point that you're making. But, yeah, it's these days a lot of guys will look at the business and they, they don't understand it. I, I understand it's going to change. And don't get me wrong, man. I, if I'm going to watch something on YouTube, you know, a lot halftime, I'll put on Brody and Hanson and beating the flying fuck out of someone over in Japan. Right. But man, everything changes and it, and, and, and it continues to change. So, uh, as far as the energy from the, you know, the attitude error and the invasion angle, man, I just got caught up in the grind and I was just doing my thing and, and just, uh, I didn't really, didn't really pay any attention to it, but, uh, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting to see what those guys are doing over there. And uh, what have you made? Because you sound like you're more in touch with the product than I am. I DVR everything, but I don't watch everything. Uh, what have you thought about the the Wednesday Night Wars? And I don't mean to jack your show, but you're you're the guy that's kind of a little bit more in tune than I am. Yeah. Uh, no, I I tell you what. <clears throat> um, you know, I I don't want to be rude, but 
I've been more. I've watched some of NXT, but I've and I've always was a fan of what 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 they were doing, what Triple H was doing with those cats uh, for quite some time, and the success they've had. But once I started watching AEW, I started. I, I wasn't flipping back and forth. I would DVR. I'd still TiVo, you know, DVR uh, uh, NXT, and I'll check it out. But live, live, I watch um, AEW. Um, I, I, it's a different feel. It's interesting, and you'll you'll get this right a fucking way, bro. And I understand because of what NXT has, and they've always been down there in full sail in Orlando, you know, and, uh, and that and that, that on that college campus doing their their uh, show. And then when you flip over to AEW, it just feels so much bigger, you know. And you wouldn't think that WWE would have something that doesn't feel as big as something else because AEW, they're doing their live show on Wednesday, Dynamite, in a big fucking building, where NXT is doing it in a smaller building. Now, me personally, I like I don't I'm not opposed to smaller buildings. I kind of like it because I feel it's more of an intimate setting. And I know you've worked a lot in studios just like I have. You've worked in smaller buildings just like I've had, and it's harder. It is harder, you know, because it's more intimate and people sometimes are more demanding and you got to bring your fucking physicality more. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You get that better than me. You understand that. And I feel like with NXT, um, it's I don't want to bash it. It just it maybe because AEW is newer and these characters are newer. Um, I feel like there's more freedom when I watch these young people wrestle as opposed to some of the stuff that with NXT, I feel like they're all getting coached up by some really talented coaches. No knock on, on, on that, what they're doing in Orlando, but I feel like it's becoming a little bit like, um, like they're cloning some guys and girls and I feel like they're all the same. And I don't know if that's just a mental thing for me, but when I watch AEW, I feel there's more creative freedom. There's more more creativity in the work rate. I know from being backstage at AEW, there's more freedom to work your match the way you want to work your match. There's no handcuffs, you know, and and that's what it should be. You broke in like that. I broke in like that. Um, you know, these guys are cutting promos. There's no writers, bro. They don't have fucking writers. You know, they don't have a guy handing them a piece of paper. They don't have a guy saying, do this in your promo. They have some direction, and, and, and they're, they're trusting you to do your business. And... Steve, you came up like that, right? I came up like that. You know, I and mean, that's how it was. I believe in that if you have the right guys and girls that can pull that off. And I do think AEW is trying to find who those right people are. NXT, I mean, I'm giving you a long-winded answer here. A NXT does it's it's the WWE machine. And it's I'm not knocking the machine. The machine makes billions. I get it. It's a publicly traded company. I respect it. I was there for almost 10 years. I I wouldn't have become a broadcaster without WWE. I always respect that. Um, but, you know, I feel like they got to be careful with that Orlando system and that, that performance gimmick. And I know it's a great facility and all that jazz. And I, that's why I think it's good, Steve, that like Steve Regal has got uh, uh, one of those dojos out, out in the UK somewhere and he's doing stuff like that because it's different people, even though those kids in the UK, you know what I mean, can learn from a new crop of trainers. I just feel like it's a little bit like it's cloning. And when I watch AEW, I don't feel like that. There's more freedom, more looseness. Well, I got to tune into the product and start watching so I can form a, you know, a proper opinion on that <laughs> because you, man, I, I've as many big buildings as I've wrestled at, you've wrestled at. I mean, the, the small buildings are cool too. And uh, just, but I, I'd have to just, just go basic, basically on, on what's going on in ring. And so, 
I guess I got you into a subject that I, I'm I'm not prepared enough or have watched enough to give you a valid feedback at the point that I brought up. So I digress and you take it back over. <laughs> no, bro, but still, you, you, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like on, on the topic of working, like, you know, when you were working in the sportatorium back in the day, how many how many people were in the, how many people were in the sportatorium back in the day? Like when you guys, man, I think you could probably if you, if you really pack that thing out, I think you could get maybe a little over four thousand in there. Oh, I, I, mean, I, never that. I never been there. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you get uh, thirty five hundred, four thousand people in there, and that's my guess. God dang it, so many of the guys that were there are dead. It's hard to ask anybody. But I think that, 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 man, that was a great building to work too. Man, yeah. that was one of the funnest buildings I've ever broken in it just because of the uh, the smells. I mean, it smells like yeah. hot dogs, stale yeah. piss, beer, you know, yeah. uh, sweat, and those hot lights on that damn mat. It was, it was just a magic place to wrestle. Then, you know, you, you go to you know, like your gardens or whatever, your Meadowlands or your NAS house, and, and that's cool. And then you go to them big-ass stadiums now, you know, boy, that, that's – it's always cool to wrestle in a stadium, uh, although acoustically sometimes it's not as uh, satisfying because the sound escapes, hmm. and so the, the feedback mechanism uh, doesn't respond like it like it normally does. But hey, man, yeah, buildings buildings are buildings, but uh, man, and, and there's good and bad. Bro, I remember I worked on a raw once to, to your point about just so fans or wrestling fans listening to us can understand. Like I wrestled on a raw. I don't know if you were on a show. I don't know if you might have you might have took a little break at that point, um, but. <laughs> It was at the Georgia Dome, and um, and I was I might have been working. I can't remember where I work. And I'm, I'm take I take a bump, and then I it's an echo. I hear a bump like the sound of the mat and the ring. It literally, dude, was like you know where I'm going. It was an echo. It was yeah. like I didn't hear it right away, and it fucking threw my timing off. I'm like, wow, you know. And, and then I and then I got my shit together. But it, it can throw you off if you're not used to that. It was really in the Georgia Dome. It's a big ass motherfucker, as you know. So. But yeah, that echo, man. That that's what you're talking about. The acoustics for those that, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that acoustics, but also when you lose sound, like if you go to Toronto Sky Dome, man, all of a sudden, you know, the bottom can drop out of that place just because the sound is going up. I never. We when we did, when we did the Trump and uh, Vince McMahon thing, and they had ten teams, and uh, you know, one of them was going to lose their hair, and you know, Trump wasn't going to lose his hair, so Vince was going to get his head shaved. But that was in Ford Field, and there were ninety thousand people there. And this is before they started putting monitors or speakers pointing toward back towards the ring so the boys could hear the crowd. We couldn't hear shit. So, you know, while, while the, you know, Vince is over on his corner, the guys are doing the work, I'm refereeing it or doing whatever, but I, and I'm thinking to myself, man, they're stinking to join out. We're stinking to join out. There's no response. They were buying everything that they were doing when I watched it back afterwards. But as we were doing it live or as the boys were doing it live, you couldn't hear crickets. And so sometimes those big villains, like if you go to Rose Mountain Rising, and I and I, I won't talk long about it because I've talked about it uh, long enough. You've been there, dude. They got that wood ceiling. As soon as you do something, that, that crowd goes shh, and, and that, that that wood ceiling reflects it right back to you. It's like you hit a gas pedal, and that, that you get that instant response, and there's your next decision. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. I think that thing you're talking about with Trump. With the head shave gimmick with Vince, wasn't Lashley Bobby Lashley involved? Wasn't he with Trump? Was that correct? Yeah, I think well, I, 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 he was involved. I can't remember all the people on the sides. Yeah, no, only what I'm saying because I think I was 
doing I was part of the color commentary and I think that was they, they were shooting some of an angle on st- I'm just as I'm thinking you know people people think you, that we can remember all these different thi- I, I can't remember a lot of that stuff I don't like remember well, shit people always ask me about the invasion angle I said dude don't inv- don't even ask me it's like a black hole in my mind and it's like oh you maybe you blocked it out because it was a time that you don't care to remember nah but it was said in the head with so many steel chairs I can't remember a fucking thing I know I'm the same way dude I mean it really is I and that that thing there. Taz, let me let me let me say. I got to cut you off. When I say that the, the steel chairs, I say that in jest. Yeah, I got hit with a couple of fucking chairs, but I, I think you know sometimes you just you just lose sight of doing so many things and all, you know so many damn storylines, so many towns, so many of this, so so many of everything that you just kind of you know. Like I remember probably more about Ric Flair's career than he did, and a lot of people remember more about my career than I do. Right, that well said, uh, and I and I get what you're saying. I and I agree. You know the, um, you know a lot of, and I don't. I think it was when I maybe came on your show. I'm trying to remember, and I, I'm sure you've heard a lot of this. There's a lot of wrestlers that people made it come at you saying, "Oh man, Steve, you would have had a great angle with this guy, and you and this guy would have went done a lot of shit together." You probably heard this a lot. I've had people say that to me, "Man, you and Steve Austin would have been amazing. That would have been great." Blah blah blah. And we had a tiny snippet of it but i you know it was the invasion thing and you know it just it was i was a commentator at that time i was a former shell of who taz was as a wrestler and the company just never you know had the intention of pushing me the right way i do and i know we talked about a long time ago you know i don't remember that but you you know you're a guy that i i really i wonder i wonder if we would have had i Bruce Pritchard recently on his podcast, uh, Conrad him, and they asked, someone asked, I think Conrad asked Bruce about you and I, if how that would have been if they would have the company would do like a long storyline or whatever. He felt like you and I maybe wouldn't have had great matches because of the 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 styles, the, a little bit of a clash of styles. Um, and I don't think a lot of people, you know, they know you're a big guy. That Stone Cold Steve Austin was a physical, muscular guy. But I don't think they realize, like, how big of a raw bone guy you are. Like, when I first met you, I'm like, oh, this is a fucking, this guy's got fucking hands like ham hocks. This is a big, raw bone fucking Texas dude. Like, you, you, you know, I don't think folks realize that. Like, you're just always just a big, thick guy. T- I don't know if TV does you justice like that. You always look muscular and big and nasty and mean and stone cold. He's a Texas rattlesnake. He'll bite your fucking head off. He'll stunner the shit out of you. But. You're you're always were a powerful guy and and thickly built guy. So, I, for me, I've worked with a lot of big guys, but your body type, I never worked with a guy like you. It was it would be unique for me. Like I'm talking about to work a program, but it, it would have been you know it would I think it would have been fun. Maybe Bruce is wrong. Maybe we would have had good matches. I don't know. I mean, I knew your style well. I'm sure you knew my style a little bit. I mean, I, I wish we would have worked. You worked with the legends of the game. I never worked with all the legends you did, but, you know, you had a much better wrestling career than I did. But I, uh, you're one of the cats that I really wish we could have done some business together. Well, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened just because I think there were there were uh, uh, similarities, you know, within the fact that, uh, you know, Shit. Different stylistically, but man, we were basically two tough guys. And you know, when two tough guys go out there and work, 
You know, a lot of times, like when I work with Undertaker, you know, even though the Undertaker and Stone Cold are two entirely different gimmicks, we're in a, in, in, in a way we're a lot the same. We're just two, you know, two big physical guys. I think I think that that might have been one of our issues was being similar similar gimmicks. I mean, you were the suplex machine, and uh, you were the guy. You know, you tough tough as nails, walked through people, didn't fear nobody. You always had a scowl on your face. I mean, you know, it's kind of like you know Stone Cold didn't give a shit. You know, you know wasn't scared of nothing. Yep. So the, there were so many things that were, that were in, in ways in which we were alike, although stylistically different. That's what I think might have clashed. I think you're right. And, and I think people, you know, look at that connection cause the two, you know, badass concepts. I had the FTW thing. You had the BMF thing. And, you know, and that, and that, and it fit you and it fit me. Um, you're, you're a badass motherfucker from Texas. I was the badass character from, from New York. And so a clash of different parts of the United States which I think makes it cool, but um, I had to bring in all those suplexes because being 5'9", I was, during that day, you know, as you know, 5'9", was undersized. Now, today, 5'9", is is embraced. <laughs> you know? It is. It really is, bro. It really Isn't it is. crazy? It yeah, is it is. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, but, you know, it it, it, it would have been cool. And, and, you know, and the key is promos, right? Promo work. I'm a big believer in promo work. I know you are too. You got to be able to talk people in the building. Um, I want to ask you about a cat that you had in your podcast a while back. Speaking of AEW, the kid MJF, who uh, I got to know a little bit. He actually, him and I live, we only live about five minutes apart here on, on Long Island. Um, talk about promos, bro. I mean, I don't know if you saw, have seen much of his promo work. Uh, and this guy stays in his heel lane on social media. I mean, he's just. He's constantly working, bro. I think he's a throwback old school guy. Um, and But yet, uh, he sells real well. You know what he reminds me of, Steve? You'll get it. When he bumps and sells and his facial expressions, uh, if you get a chance to watch MJ, it reminds me of Buddy Landell. You remember Buddy? Um, it, it, that's kind of, there's, there's glimpses of that in this kid, and which is a lot of fans don't know who Buddy Landell is, but he was a, a tremendous heel back in the day. And I didn't know Buddy that well. I met him a couple of times. I worked some shows from back in the day. But, but this kid, man, can cut a fucking hell of a promo. Uh, and he was because when I heard, I didn't hear the podcast with you and him when he was on your show on the Steve Austin show. But I heard he kind of was he was kind of staying in character, correct? Oh, absolutely, the whole way. You know, we shot an angle at the end of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, shot, we shot a wrestling audio angle. It was tremendous. <laughs> now I like I like a kid. I like what I see in him. Uh, he's uh, yeah. yeah. In its core, like we would say, okay, when we hit the mute button to go off air, hey man, he's a good fucking kid. Okay, yeah, so uh, good looking yeah. kid, uh, talk his ass off, and, I, and you love promos just as much as I do. You know, cutting them and listening to them. So, and this kid can talk a blue streak. He's just full of shit. And, you know, I mean that compliment, <laughs> of course, and full yeah. of himself, and a hundred percent confident. Uh, we, we'll see where you know he's still still young in the business, and so everybody's we would like to you know just heap praise on him and say, hey man, he's the next, he's the next, he's the next. Well. Let's see how the work keeps developing. So, and he's a, he's a good worker right now. Don't don't. I'm not saying that he isn't. 
but his promo, uh, you know, I think his appearance, uh, everything, he, he looks the part. He talks the part. And he works the part. But the, the, the work's going to progress as he gets some more experience under his, under his belt. And I think that will be the telling factor. But as far as checking the boxes on being a star, he checks a lot of those boxes right now. Right. No, I totally agree. And and he's getting a good rub from Cody there, uh, what they're doing. And they're doing some good stuff with him. And, and yeah, he's he, he is a good kid. And and uh, I, you know, I've talked to him a little bit sometimes about social media. I'm like, bro, you're going a little too far. Like, no, no, I want to stay. I mean, well, just, you know, he's, <laughs> he's stiff, bro, on people. Like, stiff. Like, real stiff. But, you know what? It's it's a kind of a, he's got a throwback attitude. And, you know, um, so when you, let me ask you, Steve, not to put you on the spot, but you've been around that, that current WWE product a lot more than me. And as of recent, a little bit. A little bit. Not, not all the time. Um, and I know you stay on top of the product, you know, uh, so what's your thoughts on everything as far as what they're doing with the, the move to Friday, what the talent rust they have on Fox or the NXT deal on Wednesdays, you know, uh, the changing of the guard where you have Paul Heyman running the show for the most part, Vince is running the show at the end of the day, but you know what I mean, on Raw, uh, changing the announced teams, like give me your overview, just the best you can of the WWE as a brand uh, and 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 what their content they're providing for for fans. Well, again, I DVR all the shows, but I only watch a show if someone says, "Hey, man, did you see this?" No, I didn't. This was something you need to go see. So then I'll go, you know, fast forward or, or do whatever. Uh, but I, yeah, I keep my finger on the pulse, but I'm not watching it all the time. Okay. Now, now that they don't have Tuesday Night SmackDown, you know, I, I was I was used to either, you know, watching uh, the World Series and flipping back and forth between that, you know, and and SmackDown. Well, last night SmackDown wasn't on. It was on Friday. Friday, you know, you got SmackDown on Fox. It felt big. Uh, they did their first show out of uh, L.A. in the Staples Center. It was high energy. The production was off the chart. The brand new stage is killer. Uh, lots of energy, lots of superstars there. I mean, stars, uh, uh, you know, like actors and stuff there, athletes. And so they get that good Fox rub, good presentation. And then, you know, it's, it's you know, SmackDown is SmackDown, regardless of where it is. It's, it's still SmackDown to me. There's some differences, but more production differences and look and feel differences than what's going on in the ring differences. And then, you know, so Friday night, you know, a lot of people are partying and doing things. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of DVR action, I'm assuming. So I don't know what the ratings have done, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to have wrestling on a Friday night just because I've, for the last how long it's been on Monday, Tuesday, and pay-per-views on Sunday. So I'm kind of used to that landscape. Now, all of a sudden, with the addition of two new shows coming in on Wednesday in the middle of the week, you know, on one hand, it's like, oh, man, cool. If I want to watch some wrestling, I can. And yeah, so I well, can check out either show. Well, so, bro, I'll, I'll smart you. Sorry to interrupt you. I'll smart you up to the other stuff, man. You, you can actually watch the business. You could watch wrestling at a pretty high level uh, just about every night of the week, I think, except Thursday. I mean, because Tuesday – and now, to your point, no, SmackDown's not on Tuesday. But, like, if somebody wants to check out, like, you got NWA, you know, Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana, they started that back up. I don't know if you saw that. They're doing it uh, in the studio down in Atlanta. Uh, not the tech, with right near where, where you, uh, I think it's only like a mile away. Yeah, but I, I, I haven't seen that. So when is it on and what uh, is it on? That's on YouTube, right? Okay, you got to go on YouTube to the NWA gimmick, the NWA channel, and it, it they drop the show every Tuesday at 6 p.m. 
bro, it you'll feel like you went back in time. Like it's fucking weird. I mean, they, I would love to go back in time. You, <laughs> no, but you and, and the cool thing is it's on demand. It just sits there on the, on the NWA YouTube channel, and you'll watch this shit, and you'll be like, wow, this is really like really throwback shit. Um, the way they're shooting it, the graphics, the lower thirds, they they really captured that old NWA Jim Crockett feel, and. And then right after that, that's 6 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, NWA. Then 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube on the AEW channel is this new show they've been doing called AEW Dark. So it's basically the dark matches, but not dark matches as we know. Like, it's not like tryout matches. These are guys that are on the contract, and they're, they're, they're big matches. They just call it dark. It's a pretty cool name. And that's another hour you can watch. You can watch two hours of fresh wrestling, NWA and AEW, on Tuesday also. It's, dude, there's a boom right now in the business, you know? So it's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, to me, I mean, I, I geez, I wish I could still go. I'm sure you wish you could still go too. But fuck, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it, 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 the business is everywhere right now. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty exuberant. Yeah, but I also heard that uh, like Impact just just kicked off on another channel or something like that. I mean, I just got smart enough to Impact, and then Ring of Honor is always kind of hard to find. But I mean, to your point, I think that you know one of the things you're trying to or, or alluding to is, man, there's a shit pile of wrestling on TV right now, and there is, and there's a bunch of different flavors of it, and I think that's correct. That, that that's cool. And of course, YouTube, man, YouTube. I mean, there's so many there's so many old matches I watch on YouTube. So now the fact that you smart me up to the NWA, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And um, but look, so I mean, you always got something going on. I mean, uh, I've checked out straight up with Steve. I love it. I mean, I love I loved when you were doing the broken the other show that you said they they stopped. I don't know why that shit was competitive, fucking stuff. You had some good athletes on that fucking thing back in the day. That was good shit. Oh man, yeah, man. Them, them, them kids came out there, and you talk about salty, and it was it was a badass show, and I had a good time doing that. And we filmed that fifty miles out of L.A. And I would drive out there on set and live in my trailer for five days so I wouldn't have to fight traffic coming and going because, you know, long days filming that show. And then, uh, hell, I had my Kawasaki mule out there, so I'd ride around. I'd barbecue every single night. I had a little gym set up out there. I was, I was like, getting paid to camp out and then, and then yell at people all day. So it was a fun show, but straight up Steve Austin – uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking we'll get a green light and we'll find out here pretty quick. And if we did, we'd probably start shooting it back into January. I'm guessing. I hope that works out because I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a 30 minute show. Uh, a lot of, a lot of prep for it though. A lot of prep. You got a chance to travel a lot, a little bit. And I got a chance to meet some interesting people. And so I'm, I've had a good time doing that show. And, uh, I just, uh, uh, you know, continue with my podcast of and doing course. the things that I'm doing, but I'm just doing, I'm, I'm doing enough to stay busy and I'm doing the things that I like to do. And I don't get me wrong. I'm always, uh, open to a, another opportunity and, and another endeavor, but you know, I, if I'm going to do something, uh, I, I want I just want to, I, I want to do something that I really like doing. And, and I, and if I'm going to make that decision that I'm going to do the best that I can at it, or I, I'd rather not do it at all. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I do. And, well, look, you're a full throttle guy. You know, whatever you do, you go fucking balls to the wall, just like you've done with the Steve Austin Show to Success, your podcast. Obviously, the plethora of success you've had in the ring as as a, as a champion, just as a as, as a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's just um, and and a guy that I can call my friend. I'm I'm so happy for you and all your success and your upcoming success that you're going to have here 
and uh, with, with the stuff, your TV work and everything. And it's always great. Whenever you pop up on WWE programming, people pop. They fucking love it. Uh, you're the man, dude. I mean, shit, you're fucking stone cold. You're fucking over like Rover, brother. So I'm, I'm, I'm fucking always happy for you. You know that. So it's great. You're fucking kicking ass. You got anything special coming up on the Steve Austin show soon, or you, you always, you always delve into something? What do you got going on? Anything important? Oh, man. man. You know what? I had a real good conversation with the other day is Mark Merrow. Oh, yeah. God dang, you know, when they brought him in there, he's one of the first guys that Vince ever gave a guaranteed contract to. And, you know, he had one down there in WCW as well. And then he came and, uh, and then he left and sta- Sable stayed. And then, you know, Mark, you know, kind of went about his business, kind of disappeared. And then, you know, he started going around and uh, started doing these uh, speeches and stuff for kids and talking mm-hmm. about choices. And you talk about an interesting life story, guy, that you talk about an interesting life story that this guy's had. Uh, I, I, I watched one of his videos because I, I was I was going to do a podcast, uh, Taz. I was just going to talk about the birth of Austin 316. And if Mark had never kicked me in the mouth, it would, never would have been invented. Or if the, mm. you know, curtain call in the garden would have never happened. You know, uh, you know, Hunter Hearst, you know, Triple H was supposed to win that, that right, year. Right, right. So there was a, there were so many things that went into that event happening and me winning it. And dude, the matches didn't mean a fuck. I mean, they did, but they didn't. It was the promo at the end, going back to what you're talking about, unscripted promos. I made that shit off when I heard, uh, you know, when Michael PSA came and told me that Jake got a religious promo on me. And I said, oh, Austin 316. And I made up that shit right there on the fly. <laughs> so anyway, it was one of those things. But anyway, I talked to Mark Merrill. I'm fixed to talk to you. I know you're probably not into uh, country music, but I'm talking to Cody Jinks uh, here in a couple of days. He's one of my uh, the new country guys. Well, he's not new. He's been right. around. But I'm fixed to talk to him. And I got, I got, dang, I got, I think I got Tito Ortiz coming by next week. And a couple of other uh, interesting cats, mm. but uh, I, you know what? I, I, I never like to uh, announce names, Taz, because all of a sudden something happens. And you know, the podcast world or, or any anything, uh, if a plug gets pulled or someone has some problems or whatever, and all of a sudden you think, "Oh man, you just said so and so's name, and now so and so ain't gonna be there." What the fuck's up? Right, that's why I don't do. That's why I don't do guests. I don't have guests. Yeah. It gets fucking annoying, bro. I can be honest with you, it does. Yeah, but you know what? It, it is just like you know, we spent forty minutes cluster fucking around. Before we could get the, the system rigged up, and you told me, "Goes, dude, man, I've already advertised the show." So it's like, well, yeah, you want to advertise the show because you want that advance notice so people can tune in, so you get more downloads. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, if it don't happen, you look like a schmuck, right? Exactly. I don't want to look like a schmuck. And by the yeah. way, I, one of my stations in my truck, and I have a truck. Okay, I have actually Outlaw Country, bro, on Sirius XM. I listen. To, I, I couldn't name you a fuck, but I do like to listen to some country. I'm just letting you know that. Hey, hey, you ain't going to get hot about it. I believe you. <laughs> Bro, I got a little country boy in me. Don't think I don't now. I'm telling you. I got a little country uh, boy. Yeah. We're out there in the back 40 of uh, Long Island. <laughs> Back 40 Oh shit Oh brother listen It's been great Talking with you And great catching up with you. We gotta do it again We gotta do more You know what I mean We gotta, we gotta hook up more We really do Hey I'm gonna call you In about a week Week and a half And we're gonna do my show I'm down brother You know that I'm down And uh, no doubt No doubt And I appreciate you coming on bro I really do dude You're the best man 
Enjoy the Taz, always do. All right, all right, all right, Steve, just hang on a second. I'm right back with you. And uh, thank you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And thank you, everybody who downloaded this episode. I appreciate you. And as usual, Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't disappoint. He's the fucking man. He's great. Make sure you check out the Steve Austin show over there, Podcast One, and all the great stuff that Steve's doing. All right, guys, I'm Taz. You're not. I'll talk to you soon. All right, adios. And when I'm back at home, it never feels the same Cause we've been doing our own thing Trying to stay up I wanna go back to days with no grades We ordered the kids' meal Play ball, that's all day now I'm stuck looking at this Instagram page But these likes on my picture don't result in getting paid now I've been wondering where the party at Cause all of my concerns got me wondering Where they got the Bacardi at To go and pour another drink Still back since I was shooting hopes. No issues. You-